Good morning. We are so happy that you are joining us today for Church Online. My name is Tammy Ling. My husband, Rich, and our three children, Lily, Eli, and Emmy, have been a part of Fishkill Baptist for 11 years. I serve here at FBC by coordinating our connections team. And when we're able to gather again in person, you can find our team by the welcome table, ready to help you with any questions you may have. I'm also the person who receives our new digital connect card submissions and will put you in touch with just the right person to help you get connected here at Fishkill. This morning, we hope you are able to focus on the truths of God as we sing them, read them, and hear them taught to us. During this time of separation and uncertainty, we hope that today, right now, as we join together in worship and praise, you will know the peace of God and rest in the truth of his promises. He is truly our rock. Now, hear this morning's call to worship reading from Lamentations 3, and may the truth of God's word motivate our praise to him in song. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord.
In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving ceases, my comforter, my all and all. Here in the love of Christ, I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh. Of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live.
Amen. What a great comfort it is to know that in uncertain times, we have such a great hope in Jesus. A hope that is more certain than anything in this world. Jesus truly is our rock in which we can stand. Take a moment right now and declare this truth to someone you miss seeing on a Sunday morning when we gather. Text them something like, Jesus is my rock. And while you're doing that, I'd like to again thank Getty Music and City Alight for making the songs that we sang today available for us to use. So welcome again to this online worship service of Fishkill Baptist Church. My name is Mike Mira, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm just thrilled that you've decided to join us. If you're local to Dutchess County, you're not, and you're not connected with our church, we'd love to answer any questions you may have to help you get connected. Simply reach out to us by filling out our online connect card. Just click on the yellow button link on the homepage of our website, fishkillbaptist.org, and fill out the form. And whether you're visiting or whether you're a longtime member, you can still use this same card to reach out to us for help meeting a need, submitting a prayer request, or would like to learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're in need in any way during this health crisis, whether it's getting a ride to a doctor's appointment or a grocery store run, use that Connect card for this too. You can also contact us at the church office at 845 896 9386. Our office hours are limited, but Lori is still continuing to check our voicemail regularly. And I'd also like to encourage you to continue reaching out to each other. So many of you are already doing a great job at this. Grab your church directory, pick up the phone, and just check in on people and ask how they're doing. The elders have scheduled a special town hall style meeting for Tuesday, May 5th, at 7.30 p.m. The elders really just want to be available to you during this unique and challenging season of separation and to ask any questions you may have. The elders have set up an online form to use to easily submit your questions ahead of time. A link to this form was emailed out last week. My evangelism class will again be meeting tonight at 7.30 on Zoom. Join using the link that was sent out in the email. And then also Wednesday night prayer meeting at 7.30 on Zoom. Again, check your email for that link. And immediately following our online service today, you're again invited to hang out with us in our virtual Zoom foyer for some informal FaceTime with some familiar, friendly faces. Just click the link that was in the email about our service today. So if you're not getting our emails, you should be. And you can easily add yourself from the homepage of our website, fishkillbaptist.org. If you're watching on YouTube today, just take a quick second and click the subscribe button and the little bell there to get notifications of new content. And if you're watching on Facebook, please like our page. Doing these things will really help us grow our reach and influence for the gospel on these, on these platforms. Well, those are all the announcements for this morning. Before I pray, though, please consider supporting the mission of our church with a gift. And you can do this very easily using the giving link on our homepage. 
If you're visiting with us today or if you're out of work, please, again, don't feel obligated to give. And lastly, please remember to keep our elected officials in prayer. From our president and governor to our local officials, they have a lot of responsibility to make judgment calls right now and are under tremendous pressure from different interests on multiple sides. So please, let's continue to keep them in prayer throughout the week. All right, please join me in prayer now. Heavenly Father, you alone are holy and do all things well. You are the most perfect expression of all true beauty, goodness, and love. And we can only know these things because you yourself are the perfect standard by which we can call anything good, beautiful, or loving. And as springtime comes, we take delight in the colors of flowers and green grass and leaves on trees. As we enjoy these simple pleasures, we give you praise for your unparalleled beauty and creativity. And we thank you, Father, that you are in the business of making broken things beautiful and whole. This is especially true when we consider the brokenness and estrangement from you that our, our own sin has caused. We see the effects of sin all around us and the presence of sickness and, and the reality of death. We thank you, Father, that you would have been completely justified, but you did not wipe out the world you created. But instead, you chose to redeem and restore it. Thank you that lives can be healed and restored through faith alone and Jesus' substitutionary death and resurrection for us. And as we see numerous things coming to life all around us this spring, we, we thank you for the new life that we have through faith in Jesus. We thank you that you are making all things new, and we look forward to that day when Jesus will return in power and glory to complete this work of restoration. God, some of us are just ready to be done with this season of isolation. Some are just desperate for a paycheck, and others fear the lifting of restrictions could be too soon. Help us, Father, to know that you are with us through this pandemic, and give us wisdom to know what love looks like in this time. Thank you that we can love freely and without fear because we belong to you, Jesus. And it's because we belong to you that we want to be wise, careful, and generous to those around us. Lord, as your church, may we seek to increasingly express our faith and love to our neighbors. May our fears be dissolved by confidence in your sovereignty, and may the decisions we make be shaped by the truth of the gospel. We pray this morning for our president and government leaders, governors, mayors, local officials, for businesses and healthcare leaders. Our leaders face incredibly difficult decisions and judgment calls. Please, Lord, grant them all the wisdom that they need and guide them in your providence. We pray for those affected by COVID-19. We ask that as many as possible would recover. We learned last week that Jim Klein has tested positive and 
My wife's grandfather also tested positive last week. May they know the comfort of your presence as they walk through this, Lord. We pray that if it is your will, that they would make a full recovery. We praise you that Clifford Forrester is recovering well as as he nears the end of his quarantine period. Father, we ask for your mercies for others struggling with various health issues. We pray for the Shabazians as Armanush had another fall last week. Give her doctors special insight into what is causing this. And comfort her and Ed to know that they belong to you no matter the outcome. And we pray for Helene as she battles C. diff. Give her strength to fight, Lord, and comfort her and Steve with the hope that we have in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for bringing Sally through her last chemo treatment. We ask that she would continue to recover well and that you would keep her cancer free. Lord, our bodies breaking down as we grow older is another effect of sin in our world. We thank you that you have overcome the grave and have given us hope in Jesus beyond the grave for standing in your presence in perfectly healthy, resurrected bodies. This is a grace that we could never repay. So may we live lives marked by gratitude for the grace you've shown us. We give you our lives, not in hopes that we may earn any extra favor from you, because you've already given us the fullest extent of your favor in Jesus. We give you our loving obedience, motivated by joyful gratitude for the grace we've been shown in Jesus. God, we ask for your blessing on the preaching of your word as Pastor Gary joins us in just a moment. Let our hearts be soft to receive your word with joy and may the Holy Spirit work through your word to spur us on toward love and good deeds. We ask all these things in the mighty and loving name of Jesus. Amen.
We're glad you can join us for worship this Sunday. I'm Gary Bonebreak, interim pastor here at Fishkill Baptist. We welcome you this morning as we continue our ministry with the use of media tools. None of us is happy about this strange stage or state of affairs, but every effort to slow and stop the spread of this dangerous virus is important. We all continue to pray for government leaders as they try to do what, they, what is right in this difficult time. And we want to cooperate. We are all looking forward to the return to normalcy. It's now time for the morning message. And we're beginning a new series this morning in the Gospel of Mark. We're beginning a new series in spite of the fact that we cannot gather together. We want to take a fresh look at our Savior from the earliest Gospel writer, Mark. We're going to study Mark together. The first sentence of the Gospel of Mark I take to be the title of the work, the beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're going to bow together in a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing. Father in heaven, we worship you and honor you. We thank you for the privilege it is, Lord, to examine your word together. We need your spirit. Lord, even though we are not physically together, we are united in Christ. We are united in our trust in our Savior, and we thank you for him. We praise you for the gift of life in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance that we have that you are in charge of this world and of our lives and our families. We have so many concerns. We are grateful, Lord, that we can lift them up and lay them at your feet and that you are our Heavenly Father. We ask, Lord, that you would guide our hearts and our minds as we open your word. We pray that you would speak to us and teach us and help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This book, this gospel, is anonymous. The author wants to draw no attention to himself, unlike so many authors today whose names appear in bold print on colorful book jackets. The author is concerned to present Jesus, the Messiah, and good news about him. But actually, today, before we begin studying the book itself, we're going to step back and consider the author, John Mark, and see what we can learn about him from the New Testament, from various snippets in the New Testament. And it's actually an interesting story. In Acts, for example, we read about Paul's refusal to take John Mark along in the second missionary journey. No, Mark had deserted them uh, on their first trip, and so Paul did not want to take him along again. Yet, about 16 years later, Paul wrote these words about Mark, and he was writing to Timothy, and he wrote, Do your best to come to me quickly, Timothy, for Demas because he loved this world, has deserted me. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. 
That's pretty fascinating. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. What had happened? How had Mark changed from a deserter whom Paul did not want around to become a valued co-worker? There are about 15 years or so between Paul's argument with Barnabas over Mark and the writing of 2 Timothy where he called him helpful to me. So what do we know about John Mark? And what can we glean from the various brief mentions of Mark in the New Testament? The first passage to consider, actually, is in the Gospel of Mark itself, chapter 14. Uh, This is in the Garden of Gethsemane, late at night as Jesus is being arrested and his disciples are scattered, fleeing from the armed mob that has come to get Jesus. And this is what we read. This is in chapter 14. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. And this is striking. These verses are only in Mark. Now, there are only 30 verses in Mark that are not found in Matthew or Luke. That is, almost everything that is in Mark is also to be found in either Matthew or Luke. This is one of the reasons we believe that Mark was written first. Matthew and Luke used him as a source. This account of this young man fleeing from Gethsemane, leaving a linen garment behind, is unique to Mark. So we ask, why is this young man important to Mark? What is it about this unnamed man, wealthy enough to have a linen garment, that causes Mark to refer to him? The most likely explanation of this brief reference to this young man fleeing from Gethsemane is to see it as a personal memory. That is, it's John Mark himself. If this is right... He was there in Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested. He fled in terror, like everyone else, leaving Jesus alone. It was a flee-for-your-life, every-man-for-himself night. And Mark, too, had failed Jesus. As we continue to think about Mark's story, think of the early chapters in the book of Acts. In the early chapters of Acts, say chapters 1 to 12, the believers are preaching the good news and the Jewish leaders are persecuting the church. In Acts 1 to 2, or Acts 1 to 12, preaching on the one hand and persecution on the other are going on simultaneously. By the time we come to Acts 12, Herod Agrippa, the king of Judea, killed James, son of Zebedee. We read, He had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword. And Herod also put Peter in prison. It was popular to attack the Christians. But Peter was was miraculously freed. After he was freed, he made his way to a home where he knew he would find brothers and sisters praying. And notice where Peter went, Acts 12.12. When this had dawned on him, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. He went to the home of Mary, mother of John Mark. We can infer some important things from this brief mention. First, Mary was probably wealthy. Her home was large enough 
to serve as a meeting place. And she had at least one servant, Rhoda, who had gone to the door for Peter. Two, we can probably also infer that she was widowed since the home was hers. Her husband is not mentioned. Three, she was a Christian, very involved in the Jerusalem church, and that is why Peter knew where to go, where the Christians would be, gathered for prayer. He went to Mary's house. This means that Mark grew up in a home that was one of the house centers of the early Jerusalem church. That is, his mother was, or, or that, that his mother was wealthy is consistent with that linen garment back in Gethsemane. Linen was not something worn by common peasants. So we see that Mark grew up in a dedicated Christian home. His mother's name was Mary. And so we are reminded of the importance and the influence of a godly family. Today, our kids have lots of influences. They have school, they have their peers, they have the media, and many pressures. But among all the influences, parents have an enormous impact. So we are reminded to offer our kids the kind of family life that will encourage them and will help them to follow Christ. They, they need the influence of godly parents. Mark had a godly mother, Mary, who was very involved in church, who impacted his life. So in Mark's life, we have the influence of a godly family. Secondly, we have also the nurture of a spirit-filled church. Think about the church Mark was in. The church had been born in Jerusalem at Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. Peter had preached to a Pentecost crowd and around 3,000 were converted and joined them. The most likely date for Peter's message in Acts 2 is AD 30. Acts 12, which records the death of Herod after Peter's release, is one of the fixed dates of the book of Acts. We know that Herod died in AD 44, and his death is recorded in Acts 12. So between Acts 2 and Acts 12, 14 years pass, a 14-year period. Now, many Christians had been driven out of Jerusalem by persecution, though the apostles remained. We cannot be sure whether Mark was in Jerusalem during those years, but we can say that the Jerusalem church was Mark's home church. And it was an exciting church. It was a hotbed of faith and obedience. The church was dedicated to proclaiming the gospel. The good news was very good news indeed. God had visited his people. God had sent his son. Even though his own people, the Jews, had rejected him and the Romans had crucified him, Jesus was not dead. He rose from the grave. He had defeated death and now was enthroned at God's right hand as Lord. Forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. And eternal life was the gift to all who repented, to all who called on his name. Christ bestowed these gifts. Today, God's good news has not changed. Today, in 2020, wherever you are, it is still true. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him. Trust in him. And he will forgive you and make you God's dear child. We cannot uh, save ourselves. We all need a savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. The savior we all need. In Jerusalem... People were coming to Christ in spite of the persecution directed at believers. Nothing could stop their witness. It was a witnessing church. And it was a loving church. There was genuine love. Wealthier members were selling property to care for poorer members, caring for those who were needy and alone. Yet we hasten to add that the Jerusalem church also had its problems. There was hypocrisy in the church. Ananias and Sapphira had pretended to be more generous than they really were. They were hypocritical about the gift they had, and they had tried to to lie to God. It's a sad story of hypocrisy that God punished in Acts 5. And then there was division between Greek-speaking Jews and the Aramaic-speaking Jews uh, about the distribution of food. The Greek-speaking Jews felt they were being neglected. Well, the apostles had to address also this complaint. So, thinking of our church today, we can ask, what do people see? What does our community see when they look at our church? Do they see reality and integrity, excitement? Do they see bold witness and love, power? God's people eager to serve. Praise God. Yes, I do think that they see these things, the result of God's work among us. But we also recognize there are faults and problems. As we look at ourselves, we know we have growing to do, changes to make, repentance to offer. There is no such thing as a perfect church. But let us seek to be men and women of humility and integrity who love God and are giving ourselves energetically to love people and to serve the Lord. I look back to my home church in Collinsville, Illinois, where I grew up. I think of my, my Sunday school teachers and the, the deacons, Toby Ray, Bill Beagle, Clarence Beagle, Wally Fetter, Jim Ostel. All names unknown to you, but they were men who had an impact on me. They were regular people. They were farmers. One was a pharmacist. One was a plant manager. God uses regular people who love him and who live for him. Let's be those people. Let's be that kind of church. This brings us to the third influence on John Mark. There was not only... The, the influence of a godly family, and secondly, the, the nurture of a spirit-filled church, but there's also the impact of caring mentors. Back up just for a moment. Barnabas and Paul had been ministering in the church at Antioch. The Antioch church was a thriving, active church. Barnabas and Saul were sent from Antioch, the Antioch church, with a monetary gift to relieve the believers in, uh, in Jerusalem suffering under famine. 
A famine in Judea and Jerusalem would hit Christians particularly hard because they were ostracized from society. So Barnabas and Paul had been sent from the Antioch church to Jerusalem with a gift to help them. As Barnabas and Paul went back to Antioch from Jerusalem, they took John Mark with them. We read, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark 12.25. So now Mark, who had been in the Jerusalem church, was part of this new Gentile church in Antioch. Once again, Mark was part of an exciting, vibrant church. And you remember what happened. Barnabas and Paul were called by the Holy Spirit to serve as missionaries. And they took Mark with them as their helper. With Paul as a mentor, Mark was exposed to a man commissioned to carry the name of Christ to the Gentiles. Paul's commitment and zeal were unflinching. There was a resolve. There was a faraway look in Paul's eyes. He was committed to the great task before him. Paul was a mentor, a great example for John Mark. So why did Mark leave Barnabas and Saul on that first missionary journey? Was he getting afraid of maybe getting malaria? Or did he just get homesick? Was it that Paul was getting to be more of the leader and he was jealous for his cousin Barnabas? We don't know. Maybe it was the fact that unlike Barnabas and Saul, he had no call. We don't know why, but Mark did leave, and he went back home. So when the time came for Paul and Barnabas to return on a second journey, well, there was an argument. Paul refused to take Mark a second time. Barnabas wanted to take him along. For Paul, what was so important was the work He deserted us. He turned back. This is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is no place for quitters. You can just hear Paul. In modern psychological terms, Paul was was task-oriented. It's about the work of Christ. Barnabas was more person-oriented. He saw Mark's potential and wanted to give the young man a second chance. Well, Paul and Barnabas split Paul took Silas on his second journey. Barnabas headed out with Mark. Indeed, Barnabas means son of encouragement. And Barnabas is a second mentor in Mark's life. Paul was a mentor. Now Barnabas was a second mentor. Barnabas was convinced of Mark's promise. He was He was so committed to helping him to recover from his earlier failure that he split with Paul before leaving Mark home. So we can ask, who was right, Paul or Barnabas? Well, both were right in a way. I mean, Paul wanted a proven, mature worker in ministry, and it's right to want proven workers in the ministry. But Barnabas was sure that Mark had the potential to become that. Maybe we can say that Barnabas proves to be writer than Paul in reading this young man's potential. Because 10 years later, Paul refers to Mark in, in, in his letters in a way that shows his high regard for Mark as a co-worker. Mark is with Paul in Rome, we learn from Philemon and Colossians. 
Mark describes him, or Paul describes him as a man useful to me in my ministry when he wrote his last letter to Timothy about A.D. 66. Later, this young man wrote the Gospel of Mark. And that's what we're coming to, of course, in our study. We should ponder this. He became a man whose work God has used for millennia. He was the author of the first gospel, John Mark. So Mark was mentored by Paul, by Barnabas, and also, thirdly, by Peter. In his first letter, Peter concludes with that first letter, writing these words. This is in 513. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, as so, so does my son Mark. Peter, writing from Rome, Babylon is cryptic, a cryptic reference to Rome. Peter describes Mark as his son. Early church fathers, shortly after the New Testament era, wrote about Peter's impact on Mark. Papias wrote, Mark became Peter's interpreter and wrote accurately whatever he remembered of the things said or done by Christ. He had not heard the Lord, nor had he followed him, but later on, as I said, followed Peter, who used to give him teaching as necessity demanded. So, so wrote Papias. So Papias is saying that Mark was not one of the Lord's disciples himself, but he was the interpreter of Peter, and Peter, of course, was an eyewitness. Irenaeus wrote these words, Mark, the disciple and interpreter of Peter, transmitted to us in writing those things which Peter preached. Many church fathers reflect the impact of Peter on Mark. This will be important as we study the gospel. This means that even though Mark had not personally followed the Lord Peter, a direct eyewitness is behind his gospel account, and that's important. As we think about John Mark and these brief references to him, it's important for us to see that God is at work shaping disciples as his servants so he can use them in ministry. You know, Mark failed, but God still used him. Past Failure did not preclude future usefulness. That's important for us all to remember. We can look at failures in life, but God is merciful. God uses broken and bruised vessels, people like you and me. To shape Mark, God used the godly family, Mary, his mother, and Barnabas, his cousin. God used a church, that was a hothouse of faith and obedience. God used mentors who challenged, encouraged, and helped him. So we too want to be partners with God in shaping disciples. In our families, we want to teach our kids the gospel, challenge them to memorize scripture, help them to learn to witness and to follow the Lord with their whole hearts. We need to set that kind of example for them. They need our example. Our example is important and influential. We also want our church to be on fire for Christ, alive with faith, eager to obey the Lord, a gospel-centered 
gospel-preaching church. Who are the John Marks among us? God shaped Mark to become the author of the first gospel through many godly men and women. And God wants to use us, our lives, our families, our church, to shape young future servants for his work. Thank God for the privilege. Let's bow together in prayer as we conclude. Father, we thank you for working in Mark's life through many different influences. You used your church, you used individuals, you used the the gospel ministry of which he was a part. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel of Mark. We look forward to taking a fresh look at our Savior and seeking to, to see what you have to teach us. Lord, we thank you. I pray, Lord, for each and every one who has joined this morning in worship, that you would draw each of us closer to yourself, strengthen our faith, and grant, Lord, that any who may not yet believe may come to that point of surrender, to trust in Christ Jesus as Savior, as Lord, we pray. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Well, that concludes our service for this morning. Thanks again for joining us. If you're visiting or new to our church, please reach out to us through the online Connect card on our homepage. If you have any prayer requests or needs, uh, communicate that to us uh, through that as well. If you're a, a regular member of our church and you got the email, click on that link to join us in our Zoom virtual foyer. And don't forget, if you're on YouTube, click subscribe. And if you're on Facebook, like our page. That's all for today. Have a great week, everyone.